Hey guys, Maria Menunos here. Before your favorite TV after show begins, we want to let you know about my new show on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind the scenes exclusives. All thanks to E Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Oh, this is yes. like the, the MIDI intro version. <laughs> Welcome back, True Believers, to your ABTV <laughs> X-Files Season 10 after show. Join the conversation on social media using the hashtag ABTV X-Files, and please join us in the live chat. I am Lex Michael, all over social media at the Lex Michael, and I am here with... I am a Lucretia Lyon, and if you can spell it, it's L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, and I'm on everything, because there's only one. (laughs) (laughs) And you can follow me on Twitter, at HappyGoJackie. So, tonight we are talking about the second episode of this six-episode event. It is called Founder's Mutation, and it was written and directed by one James Wong. James Wong has quite uh, an impressive pedigree when it comes to the X-Files, having been uh, responsible in large part for many of the early best episodes of the series. Uh, Among them, uh, Squeeze... Ice. He did Beyond the Sea, which was an amazing yes. season one oh. episode. The one uh, that dealt with the death of Scully's father. Yes. Uh, Tombs, uh, Little Green Men, One Breath, The Field Where I Died. He directed oh. season four's Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man. So he's got <laughs> he's got X Files cred. <laughs> um, the first question I wanted to ask both of you guys, since this was the second part of a two night premiere event, and now that we are a day removed from the first episode, uh, I don't know about you guys, I've had a little bit of time to check out some of the response to the premiere, and it was, let's say, a bit divisive. Yes, definitely. So I wanted to ask you guys how you felt this episode compared to the premiere. Did you think that it felt more like the X-Files you remember? If so, how? If not, how not? No, I definitely feel like this is uh, much in the flavor of a nice like uh, kind of one-off of the week. Uh, unlike uh, before, a little bit of ties to the mythology, just to kind of keep, since it's only six episodes, to kind of keep us stringing along that there is some kind of undercurrent for why they're really here with the X-Files again. But my biggest thing was like if they're we for all this big government conspiracy, if that's what it's all been, according to last night's episode, that if it's if they can control all this stuff, then why can't they control the X Files getting started again? Sure, that's like they I, can never they can never stop the X Files from happening. I have a, a couple of questions yeah. that seem that would appear on the surface to be uh, a little bit uh, uh, inconsistent from one episode to the next that I wanted to talk to you guys about. But yeah, before we get to that, Lucretia, what about you? Well, yeah, and as you said, um, why can't they stop the X Files from happening? I mean, it was understood in last night's episode that that's actually why they wanted Mulder there. They wanted him looking in the wrong place because they had kind of steered him in the wrong direction. So as long as he's there in the X-Files, he's not really looking into the government. 
So, I mean, that was kind of explained there. Because, yeah, he's like, they sent me down the rabbit hole. So they wanted him there investigating some of it. Just to right. give him something to do. <laughs> right. well, that, that is a good yeah. point. He's if if the shadowy conspiracy is as it has always been to one degree or another uh, in at least let's say the universe of the X Files perpetrated by government muckety mucks on super high levels. It is definitely more beneficial for them to have Mulder on the inside looking out as opposed to on the outside looking at them. So let's just jump into the cold open where we meet Sanjay. Yeah. <laughs> Having a really bad day at the office. Sanjay, yeah. 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 So Sanjay's in this in this board meeting where uh, a doctor is telling the assembled parties that the founder, uh, one Dr. Augustus Goldman, wants a do-over when uh, Sanjay is overcome. What, what at first seems this, this random, overpowering sensory overload. Yeah, it was almost like a really bad case of tinnitus. And to me, it almost seemed like the opening of a house episode. It's mm. like, oh, God, where they're going? Going to solve medical mystery. Boom, massive attack. That did not happen. Yeah, yeah. usually yeah. they'd be like, they'd zoom in on a house, like, inside their body. Yeah. You see what's happening what's inside their body that's causing them all this ang- this pain. Mm. Okay, so really quick, before we continue talking about poor Sanjay, it's interesting that you mm. mentioned house, because what I was struck by... Watching this episode more so even than last night's premiere is that, yeah, this episode, I would agree, feels a lot more like the X-Files that I remember, but it looks very much like a modern TV show. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. way it is shot feels so much more like an episode of House than, you know, uh, an early 90s episode of X-Files. And yes, that has to do certainly with the way the technology available to television creators has advanced since the early 90s. But it, there were certain choices made in this episode, I think, that really reflect that and really bring it uh, into sharp clarity. And it just was very striking to me. Well, it's certainly when they use the references, like Mulder at one point references in the, references in the episode Edwin Snowden. So it's, sure, yeah. it's like almost like when, you're, when your parents like learn how to use like you know technology. Oh, I'm on Facebook. Don't you know that? Or I'm like, oh, that seems weird to see my parent talk about like that. It's like, oh, you're using modern references? That's weird. It seems weird to me on the next Files episode. Yeah, and I love how they kept saying, well, I'm old school. And then, you know, I love that they kept bringing it back. And as much as we do love the 90s and nostalgia and they've kept the old previews, it is good to see it in the modern times. I mean, not just with the references, but yeah, like you say, the production value has certainly gotten better. Yes, now that being said, I'm <laughs> I'm puzzled as to why in the first episode we saw Scully using a search engine called Finder Spider. (laughs) I don't know. I've never used Finder Spider myself. Maybe I've been doing it wrong this entire time. That's right. If you want to find the the real conspiracy nuts, you go to Finder Spider. Finder Spider. Yeah, it's not not Google anymore. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, back to poor Sanjay, who is, as mentioned, having an incredibly terrible day at the office. Uh, The cold open builds to uh, him locking himself in a secure area. And we come to find out later that he's attempting to access something, but he writes something that at this point we don't don't see what he's writing. And then, having been locked into the room while others are trying to get in and stop him, he puts a letter opener into his head. Great, great Foley art uh, done on that. Oof, man, just sound really just that, that sickening sound as it's going further and further inside his ear canal and finally just gets into his brain. Yeah, and also, too, especially compared to what we saw last night, there was a big step up in gore in this episode. Yes. I like that. Which, which is certainly a callback to a number of different 
X-Files episodes of the past, they certainly didn't always shy away from it. But it, to me, there were some images in this episode that after maybe being lulled into a false sense of calm by the premiere, I was certainly not entirely prepared for. But it was a nice return to that kind of like, oh, that feeling that you get when you used to watch the X-Files and you yes. see something really creepy, like in Squeeze or something like that. You're like, oh, oh. Well, and we we talked a little bit uh, at the top of the show uh, last night when we were covering the premiere about some of the episodes that we liked, and I know some of the titles that I threw out were episodes that leaned on the comedic elements that you would find Mm -hmm. in the show. And some of those episodes are incredibly strong and represent a good deal of the best of what the show has to offer. But especially if you look at those first five seasons, it could be an exceptionally dark show. Oh, yeah. And this felt like a wonderful echo of that. So Sanjay uh, is out. Sanjay's out early. (laughs) And we open after the wonderful retro uh, titles. We open on our two agents completely back in it. Yep, yeah. clean shaven and everything. Like, oh, all right, we're ready to go. <laughs> as if they didn't as if they didn't miss a step, which on the one hand I thought was great because immediately it feels like, okay, we're back. We're back with our friends Mulder and Scully. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about bringing new people up to speed. We can just get get going right with the case of the week. That's great. And then there was a part of me that felt a little bit like, wait, does anyone know where Tad O'Malley is? Yeah, exactly. I know. I, I mean, I think he's slated for more episodes, but yeah, I was just like, where is he? Because, you know, he and Scully had a thing there, and, you know, he's not dead that we saw, so, you know, I don't see a body. Yeah, um, it's just weird that you could just go back. from that to just no. like, hey, let's just go solve this regular one-off case. Like, I'd be like, no, we've <laughs> got to figure out this big conspiracy, guys. But they were able to put that aside. They were able to put that aside. I guess in fairness, that is something they got used to over nine years, being really embroiled in a big, earth-shattering conspiracy one week, and the next week, yeah, we're going to focus on this instead. Um, So Mulder determines that Sanjay was trying to access something in this this database that he had locked himself into. We get a... uh, uh, wonderful cameo appearance by the actor who played Chief Tyrrell on Battle yep. of Star Galactica. Mm. Uh, he seems to be popping up on things that I watch fairly frequently now. Mm. He was yes. just on Flash recently. Yeah. Playing mm. the turtle, yeah. Mm. So Mulder snatches Sanjay's phone and they they find this Gupta fellow. Yeah, and as they walk out uh, of the the office building, there, uh, you know, they just they kind of bump into somebody who we see. It's like as soon as that happens, it's like we're going to see this person later on in this episode, which we end up doing. And which person is that? Uh, the, well, the janitor. It's what well, we know. The janitor yeah. did it, guys. It's the janitor. Guess they're independent contractors. <laughs> so this this scene that we get where Mulder meets uh, Gupta, great scene. It's a phenomenal scene, and like I, I really want to talk about this scene because it, it is a perfect blend of so many elements that the X Files has always done so very, very well. But just the way they parallel Mulder and Scully in these these sequences at this point in the episode, you've got mm-hmm. Mulder meeting with a person of interest on their case, juxtaposed with Scully performing an autopsy. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but that alone made me feel like okay, I'm home. Yeah, as soon as you hear like uh, Scully just doing the uh, just the auto dictation as she's uh, cutting mm-hmm. into the body, like all right, yep. There you go. That's Scully just running her mouth while she's cutting open a body. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, Vic Sahays, who um, Mulder's meeting meeting with. I love that little actor. He was Lester (laughs) on Chuck. He is adorable. And it was really interesting to see. I mean, even though it does get comedic, but he was really in a more serious role that I'd never seen before. So props for him, I, yes, yeah. se- serious yeah. role, but in what turns out to yeah. be a, a yeah. hilarious uh, uh, misunderstanding. Let's call it a misunderstanding. <laughs> and 
I don't know about you guys, but I'm watching this scene and I'm going like, okay, this is this is funny the way that this uh, very very mm. light questioning of a potential suspect is being interpreted incorrectly as a little bit of flirtation. And I was like, oh, that's that's very funny, and it's it's David Duchovny, and I get you know I, like last night too with with Svedka, it seemed a little bit like maybe they're leaning into the Californication persona of his, but it's very funny. And then they they double down on that in a very very big way. Yes, I, I'm safe. You can trust me. It's like, yeah. oh, all right, let's go into the bathroom. Yeah, those eyes do it every time, and. You know, I guess. Yeah, well, I grouped yeah, I, I uh, mistakes mm-hmm. as, a, as a hookup. This is as a, something's going down in the bathroom. He's ready to go, re- ready to party. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then just accuses Mulder, like, hey, you're so repressed, man. You got to get, you know, the truth is in <laughs> there. <laughs> the truth is in here. Yeah. He's pointing at Sorry, yeah. yeah. He's like, I've heard that before. <laughs> Um, so Gupta tells Mulder essentially that Sanjay was living these parallel lives. And so the two agents uh, find Sanjay's, this this house that he uses to uh, essentially conduct research, it would seem. Yeah, which well, even like when uh, when Mulder is actually talking to Gupta, he's just drinking a beer. Like, <laughs> I was like, aren't you on duty, Mulder? Aren't, shouldn't you not be drinking a beer at that point? But I guess he's just playing by his own rules. He, Mulder is exceptionally laid back, yes. and he strikes me now, oddly, as more laid back than he has mm. ever been before. <laughs> you know, he was, he was living in a cabin in the woods for a while. He's definitely in that stage, and I don't care. Um, I care about the truth being out there, but everything else, drinking on the job, whatever, like, you know, bringing suspects and victims home, <laughs> whatever. So, but because you put it the way you put it, like, what yeah. I'm imagining is, so, Mulder was persecuted for a crime that he didn't commit by the FBI for a number of years. Eventually, they end this manhunt because they need him for something. Then, he solves that case in the in their one-off movie, and then he, he goes off, and he, he lives his life, and, and he does what he does, and then he comes back again because they need him. So I can totally see Mulder mm-hmm. at this point going like, eh, you know what? Like, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll work the case, but I'm, like, I'm going to throw a few back. Why not? Who doesn't <laughs> drink on the job? Are we not supposed to do that? What do you think of these cups? Uh, this, is, this, is, this is people, people are watching yeah. right now, Lucretia. People oh, it's live. We're actually, we're actually mm-hmm. keeping a pretty tight yep. lid on yeah. this yeah. type of thing. You're going to get a lot of people in trouble. I know. Uh oh. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> We're all drunk all Cats the time. So, so uh so at this at this safe house of Sanjay's, Mulder and Scully find the pictures of the children that he was working with. And these children were uh I mean, how would you how would you describe the conditions that yeah. these children were suffering from? Yeah, a lot of dram- uh, genetic abnormalities. Just uh yeah, just uh, weird uh, de- uh, deformities that they all were experiencing uh, on different parts of their body. Yeah, that was just like horrific. I mean, you know, most of the episode was pretty good, and, you know, a little bit dark, a little bit humorous, but yeah, that was like hard to watch cuz it's kids. I'm like deformed adults, I can get away with. But um the little kids? It's horrible. Well, and the, look, I mean, yeah. not for nothing, the pictures are one thing, but uh, spoilers for an episode that mm-hmm. we've all watched already. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet these kids. Mm-hmm. We meet these kids at the facility, and we actually see their their deformities in, in person, along with Mulder and Scully. And some of them are heartbreaking. Some of them are disturbing. Some of them are genuinely terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, one image in particular that I found to be very, very striking, and I will be struggling to get out of my head for quite some time now, 
is <laughs> the child uh, whose face was all over yes. the table. Yeah. That, oh, one. that was the worst. And feeding himself like yeah, cereal or just something. Just like slop into oh. his mouth. And it looked like like the face was on the table and the mouth was almost pointed at the ceiling and it was the, the poor child was just trying to essentially dump yeah. whatever he was eating into his mouth. I mean, yikes. Mm, not good, not good. But while they're at uh, Gupta's apartment, yes. uh, uh, or Sanjay's apartment, that's when Mulder gets affected by the same thing that happened to Sanjay. Yes, and they are uh, a police officer finds the two agents there, and of course Scully immediately says, no, we're FBI. And Mulder, even though he can hear nothing else, he looks at their, their lips, and the noise focuses. And it focuses into the words, find her. <sighs> find her. Mm. Who could that be? Yeah. <laughs> and while they're driving over to Sanjay's apartment, they run around, they bump into somebody uh, in their while they're in the car. Yeah. Maybe familiar. I don't know. Mm. It was. I'll put it this way: even if I hadn't seen the entirety of the episode, it would have struck me as it did while we were watching as very peculiar that they would keep that encounter in the episode were it not <laughs> significant. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, so they report to Skinner with the information that they found, but the Department of Defense has classified the file even above Skinner's clearance. Yep, always raining on the parade. The DOD guys, come on. So I will say this, and I wanted to ask, now we haven't seen too much of Skinner so far in these two episodes. We see him here back in a very very familiar role. Um, It seems... Both there's something a little comforting. There is that coming home element of him doing exactly what he was doing when we left him, but there is a little bit of it's. It, there's something a little comical to me that not only is he, I mean, he's still the assistant director, but not only is he doing the same job, he's still being uh, cut off at every turn by many of the exact same people. Yes. Oh yeah. But I like that that, that he fully knows Skelly and Mulder, especially Mulder, and that after the DOD guy leaves, he goes, "So you made copies, right? Yeah. <laughs> right." Yeah. <laughs> and, and, of course, Mulder was able to retain a bit of the information, and that's able to assist them a little bit going forward. They also talk about the birds, which we saw in the opening. We saw before Sanjay's uh, sensory overload hit him. Yeah, and as an ornithophobe, to me, that was the scariest part. I mean, birds, you know, I always think of Hitchcock, and then they show him again. I was like, yeah, bad things happen when the birds come. <laughs> It's like, oh, I love that. It was so creepy. Well, and the presence of the birds related directly to the mm. frequency mm-hmm. of the sound that Sanjay and then Mulder were hearing. Mm-hmm. And the frequency of the sound, if I understood correctly, it draws earthworms essentially to a higher layer of soil. Yes. Mm. And that is what draws the birds. Yeah. Right? Which is interesting, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that only it's it, this is a frequency that apparently, and I'm not uh, an expert on which frequencies are audible to which species at which time, but it seems interesting that this frequency is audible only to certain humans uh, to, to, at whom it is pointed. Yes, and birds, <laughs> all, all all the, the birds, yeah, all the birds, like yeah. one one guy, but <laughs> all the birds. <laughs> so they need to track down uh, Augustus Goldman, who is the founder. Yes, uh, the founder the of the mysterious title. founder, and, recluse. Yeah, and Scully's plan to do that is to go through the Our Lady of Sorrows Hospital, where she's worked for something like seven years. It's where we saw her working in I Want to Believe, mm-hmm. um, and he, he being uh, Goldman, is one of their most generous contributors of funding. 
So the sister that they talk to agrees that she will relay a message to to Goldman, this founder. And of course, when uh, Scully uses the phrase "founder's mutation," it does, at least to me, seem to elicit a reaction. Certainly, mm-hmm. yeah. And they also get a reaction from another person there, Agnes. Yeah. Yes. So. Agnes, we get uh, in this episode yet another poor young girl who's had horrible things done to her uh, unborn fetus. Yeah, who would want to play a pregnant young woman on this show at this point? You know bad stuff's going to happen to you. But, well, but yeah. it, during their conversation, it's like, can you get me out of here? Like, well, if I could call a cab, don't you think I would do that? Yeah. But then at the end of the conversation, Mulder just gives his uh, gives her, her his business card. Like, if she can't call a cab, how is she going to get a chance to call you, Mulder? Really, if you want to just talk later. Like, How's that going to work? It doesn't make a ton of sense to no. me either. If anything, again, like, this is, and it, it's, it's, it's TV, you know what I mean? So there's a little bit of, okay, suspend your disbelief slightly, but is that handoff of the business card not what gets Agnes killed eventually? Yeah, I mean, and at least it gets, it gets Mulder and Scully over to the, the body where they can continue to find out what happened to her, but I'm also thinking, like, you probably could have done more for her right then, don't you think, guys? Yeah. and all, I mean, again, it's not like they haven't had between the two of them uh, a decade of shared experience of, like, when you, when you first talk to somebody who is in a position of vulnerability and you make it known that you're an agent of the FBI talking to this person, maybe don't leave them alone in a facility paid for by your chief suspect. Yes, exactly. You probably aren't going to be able to have a chance to talk to them again later. Just think, just saying. Yeah, it's like giving your business card to someone in like that is a death sentence on TV. I mean, how many times has that happened on CSI or NCIS, whichever show? Every time you give your business card to someone, they're dead. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They, they're, but see, they're old school. They yeah. don't watch the modern police procedurals. So it is about this point in the episode where we start focusing quite a bit on William. Yes. Mm. Where Scully brings up the son that they had together and had to give up. And then this becomes the back, I would say, 50 and change percent of this episode becomes almost as focused on William, the son they gave up, as the case they're currently working. Yeah, yeah, and sorry. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, as I predicted yesterday from the first episode, I'm like, I think William is going to be a major part, and I'm glad because it was one of those things that just hasn't been explained, and I'm sure that that's what the fans have been clamoring for. Because yeah, they had a kid. What happened to him? We really want to know. And what's interesting that Michelle NCIS fanatic live brought up is that this episode was actually slated to be episode five instead of two. But Chris Carter changed it. So that may explain some of, like, you know, maybe a few of the missteps that we just weren't understanding. But, yeah, that's why I'm thinking is maybe they decided to put some of the Williams stuff stacking early because next week's I don't think will feature a lot. Right. But, yeah, I think that it's gearing up for, like, those last couple episodes to really get into it. That actually would make Mm -hmm. a lot of sense as far as explaining Mm -hmm. why it seems like they haven't thought about Tad O'Malley in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Maybe they explain (laughs) that. Well, it's interesting because when they start talking about William, uh, well, you find out Mulder says that he he had to kind of put that part of his life aside, so he can't really dwell on that. But then it just goes into Scully's having just this daydream or just kind of fantasy about what it would have been like if she had been Mm -hmm. raising William. And you can just see just the change in Gillian Anderson's performance, just a lot more just warm and engaged and just open 
when she's with William in those scenes there. Oh, and she is such a wonderful, wonderful actress. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, but I think there is a lot to unpack in this, this fantasy, which gradually becomes a nightmare. And Mulder has a very similar fantasy later, and I think contrasting the two is very, very interesting. But starting with Scully, since that is the one we get to first, yeah, we see her imagining dropping William off uh, at his first day of school. Mm-hmm. And it's very sweet. It's very tender. It's, you know, let's go meet your teacher. Uh, transitions into him coming out of school. What I would imagine is a little bit later, he's made some friends. He's, like, running right past his mom because he's so excited. Yes. But then it it transitions into something a little more frightening, but in a very, very real way. She imagines... Uh, what I would think is a fairly common parental fear. It's, oh, my son got hurt and I wasn't able to do anything to prevent it. Um, she tells him, you know, your arm is broken, but, you know, the doctors will take care of you. And then this very grounded, normal parental fear transitions into a very <laughs> nightmarish, x filesy parental fear. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting, just like uh, the, both of them, just uh, Mulder and Scully, just have very fond, uh, warm memories or re- ideas of what their life would be like at, initially. But they both take just uh, tragic turns towards the end, each of their kind of reminiscences. Well, and that's exactly why they'd give it up, William. So I, thought, I really like that they were able to show that them both sh- seeing, you know, yes, they obviously wanted this. They wanted this child in their life. But, you know, in the, even in their fantasy, it doesn't turn out well. You know, because of the life that they live, and especially, like, with the alien reveal. I mean, I used to convince my younger brother he was an alien. (laughs) But, I mean, how many kids, like, really are? Well, oh, Oh, but that's just, it's a shame that you just can't (laughs) allow yourself to fantasize just happily the whole way through. You're just not, you can't even allow yourself to just have that moment. You always just have to let your just kind of real life influences and fears seep into just what you think would be a happy fantasy. Yeah, and and the specific image, this nightmarish image of Scully seeing her son terrified as he looks at himself in the mirror and his face has become alien. That is so personal and so specific and so informed by the experience that we've seen Dana Scully have over the course of the series as a whole. As, As we'll get to, as is the nightmarish turn that Mulder's fantasy takes as well is so specific to him and his experience as well. Yeah, very similar to when he saw his sister be abducted, and I really like that parallel. And um, let's see, Arsalon618 had a comment that will make you guys really giddy. X-Files is going to turn into a gritty Superman. <laughs> oh. oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. with the, you know, of course, he, their son, who may or may not be a, have alien DNA, I guess you should say, was adopted by some random parents, <laughs> probably on a farm. Hmm. Fighting for truth, justice, in the American way. Exactly. And then in the second one, he Hmm. fights Batman. (laughs) (laughs) So, following this this sequence, uh, the agents finally meet Augustus Goldman. Uh, Augustus Goldman, it is very quickly revealed to the general shock of, I'm assuming, not too many people, that his work deals heavily with genetic manipulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really liked that they had the name of the lab, Nugenics, and I was like, they better mention, like, eugenics, and because that's basically what they're doing. So they did go over the fact that eugenics has actually been a uh, concept around for a long time, and it was... Um, Galton, who explained it in the psychology sense that I'm more familiar with, and this is basically how, like, the Nazis formed their idea about creating, um, you know, 
better race in their mind. And so you, you know, to actually bring that up, they didn't touch too much on Nazi Germany, but yeah, that's where it was used a lot. And yeah, people were doing genetic experiments to make, you know, a master race. So it was really interesting to see that tie into something that's, you know, actually real. Yeah, well, so, and, and just to, to be a little more specific, eugenics, as as mm. it is frequently applied, it is uh, effectively uh, distilling genetic traits mm. in a forced, selective way, yes? Yes. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically, you know, and honestly, they kind of do that now, the designer babies. Um, so, yeah, basically, it is something that already exists in this world where people, they're like, I want my kid to have blue eyes. Well, with eugenics, you can. That's right. We all know yeah. you end up with con at the yeah. end of it. Yeah. It all ends up with con. Uh, you just reminded mm-hmm. me that designer babies uh, <laughs> are a thing. And I feel just a little more sad than I felt a second ago. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's at this point that they meet they meet these kids, and specifically they meet uh, a boy named Adam. Mm-hmm. And you know, Scully starts asking him some questions, and Adam says, "You know, I've I have no parents. I've always been here, as far as I know." Uh, and Scully asks, "Well, why are they essentially? Why are they in boxes?" You know, because these genetic mutations, it's not like they're uh, contagious. And Goldman's answer is, well, they're undergoing some very radical treatment and we're we're doing this to eliminate any environmental variables that may uh, interfere with their with their treatment. Uh, And they spend time looking at these kids and Scully asks a very pointed question about the potential presence of alien DNA in these kids. A question which, of course is not satisfactorily answered or uh, answered at all. At least Kelly calls that out. Yeah. It's like, what didn't even answer my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so the, uh, right, the, the, I'm trying to, what, immediately, immediately, what happens immediately following that? Because the connective tissue from there, I know we go to a commercial yeah. immediately after that. Um, oh, they get a, a, get a call about Agnes. something has happened to Agnes. That is what I thought. Mm. Okay, so Agnes, yeah. What we were saying about maybe they <laughs> should have yeah maybe they should have like checked or Agnes yeah uh, so Agnes has been killed in a hit and run yes but she's missing something something wow. fairly significant to yeah. the plot yeah <laughs> she's missing a baby a whole baby <laughs> clumsy Agnes misplaced an entire baby yeah. so uh, the the baby has been cut out surgically and is nowhere to be found. And obviously, Mulder and Scully are uh, perturbed <laughs> by this. And they, okay, so they have a conversation immediately after this about why are these babies being taken. And this is also, by the way, the second episode in a row. And, Lucretia, you said that maybe this was intended to be mm-hmm. episode five. But the way they're aired, second episode in a row where, uh, like I, I alluded to, mm-hmm. young mother with. Uh, unborn babies taken from them, potentially for nefarious means, has been a significant plot point. And Mulder and Scully have a conversation that directly addresses the fact that the syndicate, part of their plan, a major part of their plan in the bulk of the series, uh, to head off, or at least save themselves in the event of uh, alien colonization, was to help create these alien-human hybrids. Now, Here's my question for you guys. Because to me, yes, it seemed like a fun nod to the wider mythology, but didn't we just spend a show establishing that most of this stuff wasn't really what this stuff was? 
Yes. Yes. Which, and as we talked about last night, too, it just seems we've seen too many uh, scenes with characters that aren't Mulder and Scully. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen more of the conspiracy, you know, uh, uh, with all all the aliens interacting with all of them. That, like we talked about last night, I feel like there's two parallel tracks. You can't dismiss everything that ever happened as just part of this uh, conspiracy and just wipe that under the table. There's, uh, I think there, there are de- definitely aliens that are just doing something. Well, th- there would have to be. Yeah. No. I mean, obviously, I mean, Scully has a alien DNA. That's been confirmed. These kids, you know, they're going to test the blood and confirm all this. But basically, and also, I want to get in on this because obviously the, this whole baby making with aliens sounds a lot better <laughs> than the way it is done with humans. I mean, these women just get them cut out, no problem. Like, everything goes back. Alien babies. But you have those little scoop marks on your belly. Do you want the scoop marks on your belly? Plastic surgery, man. <laughs> you just like fill them in. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, you, you know, you, that's a beer opener. <laughs> that's actually you're a good brilliant point. idea. Plus, <laughs> if you have if you have all of the scoop scars yeah. that Svedka had, like you just have little like beer opener things installed in all of them, mm. and you just hang out at parties, and everyone yeah, would right. love you. <laughs> An easy way to pick you up if you fall off no. the floor. You just, yes. and just lift yeah. her up. I don't think it would be so bad. I think I you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sign me it's up. like, I like this world. <laughs> <laughs> so the agents go and talk to Goldman's wife, who ha- is incarcerated in a psychiatric care facility after she allegedly killed her unborn baby. Oh, yeah. and she's played by the lovely Rebecca Wasaki, I think is her last name. She's on Devious Maids as the pals who are literally the best characters on the show, and she's been in everything, you know? And so it was really interesting to see her dressed down in the mental institution compared to what she normally is. Sure. Yeah, and she played it so brilliantly. My child. And she saw it crawl out of her stomach. That was so... Alien Redux. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, before we even get to that, I wanted specifically to talk to you guys about the story she tells about her daughter. Great. That was a great sequence right there. Really creepy and eerily when she thinks that the daughter is drowned, is at the bottom of the pool, and dives in to try Mm -hmm. to save her because she's been under for 10 minutes. And the daughter just turns around with a big smile on her face. That was so creepy. It was cool. Big smile on her face. Definitely unsettling. What really jumped out at me, though, was the fact that we've got in an episode where we're talking about genetic experimentation. We have a reference to the human-alien hybrids. We see this kid, possibly one of these, if if they are alien-human hybrids that are being created or, or they're trying to create through these genetic experiments, it really struck me that she was breathing underwater. That's the anomalous trait they chose to go with. Because if you remember, that was a very prominent anomalous trait possessed by the alien super soldiers in the later seasons. I remember the specifically the one played by Lucy Lawless at the beginning oh, of season nine. That was one of my favorites. I love Lucy. I mean, everyone loves Lucy Lawless. Um, but very specifically was breathing underwater. <laughs> so I don't know if that jumped out at you guys at all, but in an episode full of references to later era mythology, that really jumped out at me. Mm. Well, I thought what I thought was interesting is that uh, I mean he's treating all these children with genetic abnormality, so it's clearly experiments that have gone wrong. Yet his two kids, everything went fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, they, yeah, yeah, everything went well with these two. So he got he really got lucky with that. Everybody else's kids got the uh, yeah the bottom end of the, the barrel, but the his, crap deformity. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's right. He was only testing the safe eugenics on his. Yeah. <laughs> But so uh, she attempts to escape her husband because she knows something's wrong with the kids uh, or certainly her daughter. She's fearful for her unborn son and she attempts to escape. While she attempts to escape, she strikes an animal on the road. 
I don't know. Maybe it's an evil government animal. <laughs> That's part of the conspiracy, guys. But she hears the same high-pitched sound. And it drives her to cut the fetus out of her stomach. Oof, man, great. That was another great oh, sequence yeah. there. And you see the baby's hand just starting to open up the, the, the cut and start to pull his way out. Oof. And, of course, she blacks out, comes to a hospital, baby's gone, nowhere to be found. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I'm also wondering, like, well, how did, how did that baby cut that umbilical cord? I, I, I mean, is he it, just used that noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he like, well, he like, he canary cried his way. Yeah, out of there. that's right. Exactly. Yeah, it made the cord shrivel up and evaporate. This is great. Yeah, and then he's going to fight Batman. This show is even more fun now. Yes. Um, so we return to the present, and the agents are, they put the pieces together. We alluded to the janitors, mm-hmm. uh, which we leaned, yeah. we leaned a little hard on earlier yeah. in the episode. Yeah. It's like, hmm, I don't know if this is going to come back later. Mm-hmm. Um, they make the connection to A1 janitorial, and specifically, a young janitor uh, whose name also stuck out to me because his name is Kyle Gilligan. Like Vince? Yeah. Like, like oh, Vince yes. Gilligan, uh, famously of Breaking Bad, but who got his big start on the X-Files, as so many TV creatives did. They confront Kyle's mother about the fact that she found her son. And, of course, then the sound kicks back in, the birds are there. And the agents find Kyle, and they're able to nab him up. And they finally identify at this point that he is the genesis point of this crazy high-pitched sound. Yes. And then right after that, they say, oh, I know somebody that can help him. And then I was <laughs> I was struck at how quickly it was, oh, we're already at Dr. Goldman's? That was you. That was yeah. it? The, really? Yeah, by the way, plan A mm-hmm. is yes. take this guy to the bad guy. Yeah. I was like, huh? What? Okay. But it's, okay, so he just wants to find his sister. And... This, again, this did feel like, because we spent so much time on William, this, by the time we got to the end of the episode, it did feel like, oh, we gotta start wrapping stuff up, gotta mm-hmm. start wrapping stuff up, okay, they're at the bad guy, I wanna find my sister, oh, she's here, oh, that's not mm-hmm. her, wait, she's right over here. <laughs> and then, uh, there's, uh, this wonderful, uh, what I'm going to refer to as the Witch Mountain sequence. Yes, there you go. They, well, u- they unite, yeah. stronger together. And they blow the glass apart, and then they just okay. How would you? This is this is besides the table face. This is quite possibly the most horrifying image uh, of the episode by far. Uh, how would you describe what the uh, the Witch Mountain twins do to Doctor Goldman? Uh, his face was puking up his blood out of every orifice. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's said he's like, you can't unsee that. I just like blacked out after his eyes started popping. And yeah, I love how you call them the Witch Mountain Twins. I was thinking they develop a Russian accent and join the Avengers as Quicksilver uh, and Scarlet Witch because <laughs> their cute little brother and sister scene. Yeah, it was just so reminiscent. But. It- but I'm just wondering why Dr. Goldman was so reluctant to actually introduce him to his real sister. Why mm-hmm. Why the misdirect? I, I don't understand why he tried to do that. Well, uh, I think, if, honestly, if I had to guess, I think it's because typically uh, when you're dealing with a network hour long, you only have about 42 minutes <laughs> yes. to tell your story. And we were on minute 38 or so yeah. at that point. But yeah, um, they uh, make Dr. Goldman's head uh, stop being a head, yep. effectively, mm-hmm. and then vanish. Uh, they they incapacitate both agents, and then they are gone. We don't know where they are. That Mulder alludes to there's uh, the sample of Kyle's blood that exists, so it's not entirely without a trace. No, but they got what they needed out of that investigation, some kind of tangible proof that they can test to help try to further their investigation of this conspiracy. Now, uh, based on their track record, how long do you imagine they retain this piece of evidence? Yep, no, not, not very <laughs> <Yeah>. long. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, my guess is maybe not the very next episode, yeah. but certainly very in very short order. Where's the blood? Thought you had it. Oh. <laughs> First thing I'd do if I had that vial of blood is that I would just break it up into a lot of smaller vials of different blood and scatter them everywhere. And wear around your neck, place. Billy yes. Bob and Angelina style. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and we do get we do get a little moment at the end of the same Department of Defense guy from Skinner's office asserting his authority again. And I'm wondering if this this Department of Defense character is actually going to play any bigger role in maybe impeding Skinner from be able being able to help the agents further, or if he's just a temporary one-off annoyance. Because at first, when yeah. we first see him at the beginning of the episode when he's in Skinner's office, I almost thought he was going to be the new version of the cigarette smoking man, where he's just going to be sitting there silently and not saying anything. Right. Then when he started talking, I'm like, oh, all right, you kind of uh, spoiled my hopes and dreams for this character. <laughs> he's just be like the creepy guy that stands there silently that has all the power. No, he's just no. he's just rude. And he's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, God. <laughs> so the episode uh, concludes with Mulder's uh, own reverie regarding William, the the experiences he may have had with his son, and I think it's a, a wonderful touch that one of the things he fantasizes about, maybe what he could have done with his with his boy, is showing him two thousand one. For the first time, yeah, because that seems that. that seems like such a perfectly appropriate Mulder fatherly decision, as does the construction and launching of the little rockets. Yeah, I'll give it up again. As I mentioned with Gillian Anderson, also say for David Duchovny, those scenes they really warmed up their performance. There, you could just really tell that they, playing those kind of fantasies, they really just enjoyed that experience of being with William. Well, and it really explains a lot of how. I mean, they still obviously care about one another, but there is this you know hole there. And, you know, obviously we knew it was William to an extent, but yeah, really seeing these flashbacks really brought that home and really, you know, kind of made it come organically as we know why they're so apart and cold. Yet, interesting, mm. when they both fantasize about their time with William, they never mm. fantasize the other one into those as well. They never yeah. picture a complete family union. It's always just one or the other with them. I, I agree that that's really interesting, and of course that must be a very deliberate choice. And what do you, I mean, what do you make of that? Well, I mean, Chris Carter, I know is that when he wanted to start the season, he really wanted to dial back that whole shipping element of that. So really just kind of wanted to start off this series with them kind of split up, not really dwell on that. So I guess these kind of fantasies are just a way to kind of show that attachment to William, but not further that shipping element. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yes, because as we said, we need to make t-shirts of um, it shows about aliens. We don't need to see them have sex. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends, of course, with Mulder looking at the same photo of William and Mulder and Scully have the, I believe it's an identical <laughs> photo. That's it. We only have one photo of this kid. That's it. we got to make me a copy. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And then, and then the episode ends, and I will say, um, you know, we touched upon how it did feel like in the third act of the show, it felt a little bit like all of a sudden the, the story was happening really, really quickly. When the episode ends, I mean, we, we watched it together, and if you notice, mm-hmm. I gave you guys a look like, wait a minute. We're done. That's, That's it. it. Yep. Oh, okay. It was really fast, and you know, not in a way that uh, I just wanted. I wanted there to be more because I did feel um, going back to the top of our conversation. I felt so much more fully involved in this episode than I did in the premiere. Yeah, and I guess maybe that's the way with the mythology episodes because you feel like there's so much information being thrown around there that you're always just kind of like there's a part of your brain that's going, are they going to be able to wrap this up in enough time? Are they going to be able to explain everything? So you're so focused on that. And this with more of a monster of the week kind of thing, you can just enjoy the X-Files experience for what it is. 
So you're, but and when it ends, you're like, oh, that was it. I wanted more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there were so many good guest stars, so many different elements. I mean, it really. I mean, it was a story about a doctor, and then it switches halfway through. Oh no, it's about you know Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's <laughs> origin, and you're like, what the hell? And then we're just like, oh, more. More, please, please, sir. Please, more. But, I mean, speaking of more, though, I mean, the mm. ratings were really good for last night's episode. So, I mean, that bodes well if it continues on that track to possibly mm. doing another miniseries next year. Absolutely. I mean, and as far as I know, the way that the, the three principals, three principals, of course, being Duchovny, Anderson, and Carter, the way they've talked is that they would be very open to doing it. But mm. it is certainly contingent upon, well, is it? Is it viable? Is it a? Is it still a viable property? Um, I I would be inclined to say yes, and I'm very much looking forward to what's coming. So uh, on that note, let's talk a little bit about what we think is coming. Let's move into predictions. <laughs> yeah. and now, so, for those of you listening at home, that's what we in the business call a segue. Yes. <laughs> Not to be confused with the little motorized scooters. <laughs> Lucretia, do you have a uh, a prediction? Well, yeah, I think that, I mean, certainly after this episode, especially when you know it was initially set as episode five, I do think that we are going to see William and get some resolution to that, um, just as I predicted last night. Well, they mentioned mm-hmm. specifically, you yeah. know, uh, when Scully first brings him up, they, mm-hmm. they make it a point of saying, well, he would be 15 years yes. old now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's almost, mm-hmm. uh, I almost, because that, uh, yeah, because I feel like, as much as they wonder where he is, I'm sure he's got to be wondering where his real parents are. So I don't know if it's a quest like in that last episode that he's actively trying to find them and seeing if he can figure out like the true his uh, the true uh, identity of his parents. Maybe that plays into it. Well, sure. And but that, then there's the question of do uh, would his adoptive parents have told him anything about his origin and how much would his adoptive parents even know? As yeah. far as if I remember correctly, they. They created a situation, Scully intentionally created a situation where he would not be traceable back to her. That's very true. So who knows? I mean, and I wonder I wonder how they would play that in a way because that could be very tricky. Because of that specifically, unless it does tie very directly into the alien <sighs> mythology, how else would that reunion happen? Yeah. Yeah, no. he better fly. He better, <laughs> he better fly. Or run really, yeah. really fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But th- see, but thankfully we do we do uh, tell these stories in a universe where if you have to, you can explain almost anything away with well, you know, aliens. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah. your mom and dad are are these two? They're, look, they're they're right over there. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I know based on the the teaser and based on little bits of information that we've gotten, next week's episode is the Darren Morgan episode that we're all looking forward to, I think. It's supposed to be a very comedy-heavy episode. It is oh, awesome. Looking mm-hmm. forward to it. And then we've really only got one mythology-centric episode left in this six-episode run. And after tonight, there are only four episodes to go. But I do feel a little bit more secure as far as what we'll get bits of resolution on. Because as we saw tonight, I think leaning as heavily as they did on the absence of their son is a good way to continue to incorporate lingering elements of the mythology into the one-offs. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's something we're going to continue to see, but I thought here it was it was very well used, even if it did mean we didn't get quite as much time as maybe we would have liked to explore the case of the week. Well, it feels like each of these cases are going to have at least some kind of tangential tie into the conspiracy, because I feel like Mulder, that was the reason he wanted to get involved with this, is because he thought of the connections with genetic manipulation would tie into this whole bigger conspiracy. So I feel that it might be a running thread through all these, except for next week. That seems mm-hmm. like, a, I mean, unless you're going to find something 
in a, a wear monster. Yeah, I don't know who knows. But one, well, since I've seen it, I can't answer that question. Is yeah, they really don't touch on it. Ah, which is good. So. Yeah. For that, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's okay. This one's got a monster in it, that's and right. that's yeah. all that I need. And it is the best. <laughs> yeah. But I guess we have one prediction, Lex. Is that in a couple of weeks we're going to have somebody maybe joining us here? Oh yes. yeah. So this is very very exciting. Uh, we, you know what? I'm actually I, Frank. Do you want to tease this? I think I'm going to let you tease this. Oh. I'm, little, I'm actually yeah. I'm a little bit overcome with excitement. Uh, well, if you love X Files, like we love X Files. Then you know that one of the one of the great people behind the scenes bringing all these great stories to life was none other than Glenn Morgan, Darren's brother. He's going to be mm-hmm. writing. Darren's doing episode three. Glenn is doing episode four. He's going to be joining us right here in the AfterBuzz TV Lounge, talking about that episode and all his great involvement with X Files. Uh, there are so so many questions yes. that I want to start asking him. So if you guys have questions that you want us to throw at Glenn Morgan, please tweet them at us. Uh, throw them at us in the live chat during the shows. That is going to do it for this week. Where can people find you guys on the internet? Well, if you can spell my name right, it's L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N. That's Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, if I can figure it out. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Happy Go Jackie and check me out at iOS with my improv team, Max, mm-hmm. Tuesday nights at 9.30. And I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. Thank you guys for joining us again. We will see you next week when Mulder and Scully meet the Monster. Oh. See you then. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.